Anyway, let me give you a little backdrop. I'm going to share the dream, then get on with the get on, and then go home and enjoy the, the week. And you will enjoy the week. I'm going to end good. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The Lord is good. Say, The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Because those who trust in him know that he is really good. His goodness is not based on our circumstances. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called in the midst of whatever circumstances they are walking in. Now, the rest of that scripture in Nahum says, but with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end and darkness will pursue his enemies. Now, you know, Nahum's a really powerful book. I'm not preaching on that, but that's when God came along and lifted up the skirts of the nation to expose their sin to all so that they would know he is God when he judged them. So he, he exposed their sin. Do we have any exposures being happening, happening today? All the things they told us, they've all come out for anybody that's listening. And we realize the thief is doing what he's always done. He steals, kills, and destroys. And he's a liar, the father of all lies. And he has a lot of people that cooperate with him, and they're sharing and repeating his lies. So, you know, we understand this. But in the book of Nahum, God was going to deal with their rebellion. He was going to deal with their sexual perversion. He was going to deal, in fact, it says in there, it says, surely your people in your midst are women. Now, that's not a knock against women. What was happening, men had lost their masculinity. and They were becoming as women. Sounds like America today. And anyway, God was going to expose all this. He was going to judge them for their sorcery. Now, in the New Testament, I know what it means. It means pharmakia. And I look at these commercials from pharmakia, and I say, I tell Shirley, that is the spirit of sorcery, to destroy the nations and deceive the families. And then God said he was going to, and the sorceries brought about massive death. You read the book of Nahum. They had to step over the dead bodies. We hear about all this happening all the time. But anyway, we were not going to focus on Nahum all morning. That would be awful of depressing, you know. But anyway, Jeremiah, I'm just giving you foundation. Jeremiah 28. The false prophets were the ones that were prophesying of peace and safety. And remember, we've shared many times, that's how you know the difference between the false and the real. The false prophesy peace, but no repentance. There's nothing they have to do to turn back to God. You just, he's going to be, he's a loving God, period. Yes, he's loving. But you can reject his love. Nations can reject the love of God. People can reject the love of God. Anyway, so anyway, Jeremiah 28, it says, Hear now this, the prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. And it's all through history. That's what he's saying. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, you will know that he's the one the Lord has sent. And so, dreams. You know God speaks through dreams. How many of you tell the Lord when to speak to you through dreams? 
nobody around. It, what do you, I, since you're not God, it wouldn't work anyway. I did, I do remember that night saying, Lord, speak. Here's your servant. Because I used to pray that every night, and I, I don't always pray. Need to get back, you know, Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Because sometimes the best place for you to be to hear is when you're sound asleep. So you'll be quiet, just have ears open and not your mouth. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? So anyway, it says uh, in Jeremiah, you know, God may speak in one way or another, but man does not perceive it. So in a dream or a vision of the night, he opens man's ears when deep sleep falls upon man. Now, there are many reasons for dreams. They're warning dreams. They're instructional dreams. It's a good thing Joseph had a dream to take his wife go, you know, to be Mary. Anyway, directional dreams. I, we came back to North Carolina because they're dreams. I left originally when I was Rick Joyner's ministry assistant because of a dream. It's just been really an amazing. This, this Christian life is incredible. How many of you know that? It's just the, this is an adventure of, that lasts for all of eternity. I'm blown away how God speaks and leads his people. It's just amazing to me. Those are led by the Spirit. They're the sons of God. So we are led by the Spirit. But anyway, there are many reasons for dreams. Now, why would God show his people things to come? Why? Because he loves them? Because they're his people. Because he promised the Holy Spirit will show you things to come so that you can prepare. I was reading Revelation, was it chapter 8 or so, before the trumpets sounded, even the angels that were going to be apart, they were going to blow the trumpets, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour, and even the angels were preparing for God to use them. So there's a time we must be prepared so we can be in the right place at the right time and sounding the alarm calling. And the ultimate purpose of, you know, God's judgments is to bring people whom he loves, he disciplines. If he did not love America, he would leave America to itself. And we would continue to see this unbelievable advancement of evil. And no one would want to live in this nation just a few years from now. The increase, it's just, if God doesn't intervene, we see what's happening. So he's a God that intervenes because he loves. So anyway, let me just tell you the dream. Then I'm going to get to the Christmas message, I promise. But in the dream, I'm just going to report. I'm just reporting. I did not order this. Especially this week, I thought, you know, this doesn't fit with the season. How many of you knew God doesn't fit? God is not worried about the seasons. He always, every word of God is it's in his season. You know... Anyway, I saw the nation come under intense attack. In the dream, I saw the west coast of our nation. I heard San Diego in particular, which meant at least it may have started there, or but I saw in this map of the United States, and it was even north of San Diego and along the northern part there, Oregon and Washington, and I saw explosions that were reaching into America I don't think, maybe it'd look a couple hundred miles. But anyway, in the dream, I knew everything was about to change. And I got my cell phone. This is the dream. I, I picked up my cell phone. I looked at it, and I was going to call my brother, 
in Louisiana and see if he's okay. Check on him. And it said, no network. So, well, that's not going to work. So then I went to get, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but I was, there's some things that I have prepared in case lawlessness abounds. And, you know, you have to protect sometimes, not spiritually, a, a utmost, but there are some physical things to prepare. If you're going to go through a valley, the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil, but you might want to bring a little water with you, if, you know, especially if it's a long journey. Just anyway, I went to get some things that might help protect Shirley and me. Oh, and by the way, she was in my dream. I like when Shirley's in my dream. I, much better, especially this one. Anyway, so what we go, we get what we had that might help us in security. We go stand outside, and there, somebody is about to make some announcement as to what to do and what to expect. Before he comes out of wherever he's coming from, there's a man that looks at us because we had a little preparation. He was mocking me, like, look at you. you you're, look what you got. And he was mocking me, and my thought was, well, in about three weeks, buddy, you're going to wish you had what I had. That's what I thought in the dream. Then I went back to wherever we were living, and I wanted to secure the premises. And on the way back, I ran into a neighbor friend of mine by the name of Joy. That's a good thing if you meet Joy in their dream. And uh, anyway, her husband was not there, and I, she, I said, Joy, your husband can make it here. He can make it here. I'm sure he can make it. She said, she looked at me, really, you think so? I said, yes, he can make it, which tells me it was a limited, it was, there was something limited. Now, I know others have seen the East Coast, others have seen things about New York, they've seen things about Washington, D.C., and the White House in particular. If I was God, that'd be a good place to begin, but I'm not God, and uh, the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness, or, or the, you know what I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying, Anyway, that's what I dreamt. Now, joy is a good thing to see in your dream. John 17, Jesus, he prayed. Remember when he prayed for his disciples, he said, I did not pray that you take them out of the world. A lot of folks think they're going to get out. I did not pray. Take the, you can do whatever you want to. I did not pray you take them out of the world. But in the world, keep them from the evil one. And that my joy might be fulfilled in them. And I was debating last night with the Lord. I thought, Lord, maybe I shouldn't share that dream. I can't wait for another day. And I bounced it off of Chris. And uh, no, no, you share what God gives you. I've always been that way. I always believe. And I don't know the timing of all these events. I just know sometimes you can speak the word of the Lord. It ignites intercession. It can cause the enemy's plans to be thwarted. If you sometimes exposure, that's why it's important. You can expose things and it'll cause a delay. But the main thing is that our nation would turn back to him. But I woke up this morning thinking about joy, and I just wanted to be sure. But joy is not just happiness, and now it is happy. Being, we want to be happy. But it's an inner strength, it's an inner peace, regardless of the circumstances. You know your God is with you and your God is good. And there's something about we're going to walk in that in this hour that's it's going to be mind-boggling. I'm telling you, we are. he put something in us. I don't know what they're going to do out there, but I know what God has done in here. 
And what's happening out there is not going to take away what God has done in here. Do you, you understand that? So you've got to get ready to walk in joy, unspeakable. Can you imagine how that's going to drive those who want to cause fear batty? You got joy. They want fear. You got faith. They got sorrow. God will always have the final word in all these matters. So anyway, I want to pray, and then I want to share what I've got here from Christmas, and we'll go home and enjoy the week. I do hope it snows a little so we can just smeagle up around the campfire. You know what I mean? We used to go places for Christmas. Now it's us. You know what I mean? And, uh, but our kids are coming. But I enjoyed going home for Christmas. I wish I could go back to those days. I mean, anybody, I know we don't want the good old days, but there was something about going home to Louisiana and the swamps and, you know, and the mosquitoes and the heat. And um, in December, short pants and, you know, Florida, same thing. But anyway, where are those Christmases? They're here. The best are here. Now, here's what I want to pray. I felt like we were to say yes and amen. Now, another reason Chris shared with such anointing is because the calling on us, the calling on our lives, the calling on this place. Jack Taylor was my spiritual father. He died a couple years ago now. And I was one of 300 of his spiritual sons. Unbelievable testimony. Jack is responsible for messing me up as a good Southern Baptist many years ago because I got a cassette tape on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I listened to it and it messed me up. But man, it made me because it was, and then he became my spiritual father. But when Jack was here, he said, what happens here will happen in the nation. You remember that? Now, I took that serious. Now, maybe Jack was referring to the church, but I took it serious. So what happens here? So I want to pray that God would send a preemptive strike. Yes. I don't know anything better than mess up the enemy's plans and a great spiritual awakening when our kids go over to East Tennessee. Yes. So let's just give ourselves. And then, we, hey, we're going to be the people of God regardless of what happens. We're the sa- he's the same, period. So, Lord, we just thank you for the unbelievable anointing that was on Chris Reed Friday night. We all said yes and amen. We're all willing to pick up that flag, but we're even more willing to pick up the cross because that's our ultimate calling regardless of anything else. Lord, we pray, use this place for in all that you've ever dreamed of, every purpose under heaven, things that you wrote about this place long before we wrote under this carpet that the fire would never go out on the altar. Long before any of us showed up, God, fulfill your purposes here. We're the ones that are here now. You've summoned us to this place, to this region, and to this hour. So here we are. Send us. God, let there be a preemptive strike. We're always going to pray for mercy. We don't understand all these things you show us, but we thank you. You're a good God and your will will be done and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. So, Lord, here we are. Use us, send us. Let it be done. Let a spiritual awakening erupt.
That's why we're here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Well, we made it through that actually quite well. I've been hearing about this stuff all my life. Anyway, if you don't speak what God gives you, why would he give you anything? You're just going to keep it to yourself? Share it with your wife, scare her to death, and then, but no, 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 that's not. She wasn't scared. This stuff builds us up, man. God's moving, God's speaking. Those whom he loves, he disciplines. Okay, Matthew chapter 1, look with me. Won't take too long, but I want to share some things God put in my heart. All right, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. These are, this is one of the most familiar things. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, upright, and not wanting to make her a public example, because you know things were starting to show, he was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream. Thank God for this dream. St. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And that's really the only way things will be born in this hour that are birthed of the Holy Spirit. To the degree that we are needful in this hour, we've got to have that which is birthed of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. For all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him a wife, his wife, his wife, not a wife, his wife. And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. We know what that means. And he called his name Jesus. Now I know that the greatest event that, we will, that history will have ever known is the resurrection. When he rose from the dead, everything changed. It's because of the resurrection. That's it, man. That's where the story begins and all. But anyway, there would not have been a resurrection had there not been a birth. So he had to be born. If he wasn't born, there wouldn't have been any of that. So I'm going to look at what some things God has given me regarding the Christmas story. and just going to throw them out there, pray to lodge and bring faith, and God will use it far and wide. And, uh, but the Christmas story. So here's some things I wrote down. Thank you, God, I still get to preach this. And uh, that dream wasn't that long anyway. But anyway, I'll, tell, I'll say what he I already told him that. You know that scripture says, let he who speaks speak as though he's speaking the oracles of God. I've always felt that to be the way you're supposed to do things. Now, do you always, 100% of the time, we're flesh and blood, but you believe that by faith and you preach. All right, the Christmas story. Number one, it's a story that's real. It's not not make-believe. It's not about fake people, fake news. It's not made up. It's not an old wives' tale. Where did that term even come from? What does it mean? Oh, wives' tale. Does, it mean, does that mean the wives tell tales? I don't know. 
And it's not one of those. It's not a fairy tale. Have you noticed today they're saying to us that that which is the truth is now misinformation? And that which we know is misinformation, they ha- they're saying it's the truth even though we know it's misinformation. And they're repeating it. They're doubling down. Now, I know that there's a lot about the Christmas story that probably, well, we know it didn't happen exactly the way we read. For example, the Lord's birthday was not on December 25th. That doesn't shake us up. He still had a birthday. And we used to have a happy birthday Jesus cake. And uh, we should do that again, but Shirley's trying to get me to lay off, lay off a cake. But don't they make fat-free cakes? <laughs> I don't know if they do. But anyway, it's his birthday, and we wanted our kids to know. Now, all this other stuff is okay. But anyway, it's his birthday, and we wanted them to know it's real, just as real, that his birth, just as when the angels said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Okay, so this Christmas story is real. Man, this is the most real thing. This is it. This baby, it's a play baby. This is a real thing. There's a real baby behind the play one. So thank God. And then secondly, it's a story that sounds too good to be true, but it isn't. They always told me, man, if it sounds too good to be true, don't believe it. I was always a little gullible growing up, younger. You know, I'd believe things. My dad would tell me things. To this day, I believed it. Then I found out years later after he's gone, that wasn't true. Now, he wasn't lying to me. He's just fooling around. But I believe what he said, fooling around. And anybody else like that? Now, you don't want to be that gullible in this hour. You don't want your kids. Man, they are going after our kids to be gullible. Do not be gullible. Test the spirits to see if they're of God. You know what I mean? Somebody out there tells you something that's true, say, wait a minute. Let me check with the author of truth. Let me check in the scriptures. His word is truth. I don't care what, what doctor says what. Doctor's here or doctor's there. Check with the Word of God. So anyway, and we know that. But this story is true, that God came to the earth as a baby and grew up, was tempted, yet never sinned, died, sacrificed his life, rose from the... This stuff is not make-believe. You know, today they say, man, you can't make this up. Well, you can't make this up. Because we have the truth. Now, people might make up things. They, do, they all the time turn on CNN. You'll see 100% makeup. But in the church, it shouldn't be made up. It's real. And we're going to proclaim it. And then the truth, this story has been told or the most repeated story in all of history, in every language, in every nation. And, you know, for some people... Maybe the only thing they've heard about the Christmas story, because how many of you know there's a lot of people who hadn't heard the gospel or not in this hour? America is probably the greatest mission field on the earth. That's why things are happening in Africa, because, man, they have faith. Oh, they believe. They're hungry. And there's a remnant in America. But some people, all they know of Christmas is they saw a nativity before the, they came and made them take it down. But they remembered that nativity. But I'm telling you, this thing is real. His birth, it's just the beginning. We know that. But, man, it's part of the greatest story that's ever been told. His birth, 
his life, his death, his resurrection. And then number four, this story is extremely relevant for our times because it offers us the only hope there is. All other hope, man, without Jesus, I'm just going to tell you the truth. You have no hope in this hour. The scripture says they are without God and without hope in the world. If you're without Jesus, I can tell you 101,000 reasons why you don't have much hope. You're going to have to hang on to something. But whatever you hang on to is not going to last anyway. You better come to Jesus. He is the hope. He's the hope. He's the answer. He's the antidote. He's He's what we're waiting for. It's the most, now you know, the world looks at us and they think we, we become the most irrelevant people on the planet. If that's true, it's because we, we stopped telling the world the truth. We got politically correct. Listen, it has nothing to do with being politically correct. The truth is the wages of sin is death. And everyone without Christ, you're going to fall, you're going to meet your demise, but the gift of God is eternal life. There is hope only in the cross and in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. But he died so that you can live. You don't have to meet your demise. So, well, look what's happening around us. Well, it doesn't have to happen inside of you, and it doesn't have to happen for all of eternity because you can live forever. And then this story, it's becoming increasingly threatening to the world. And hostile to those that hate God. Hey, Thomas, this week I was, I don't always check Facebook. I just don't. But anyway, I saw you had something removed from one of your posts. You were, so I went to see what it was they removed. Because when I checked it, it said, this has been removed because it's offensive or something. I thought, well, what did Thomas do that was so offensive? <laughs> so I looked at it. And you, you, could go, you could find it. It was something about how Christ, how he was basically the same or something. Like, oh, I know what it was. Whatever you lose for him, you will gain for eternity. That whatever you lose in this life is not lost, but, but what you gain for eternity. And my thought was, what was offensive about that? It was offensive because someone out there don't want you to know. That you lose it all for Christ, you'll gain it all. It's no fool to give up what he can't keep to gain what he'll never lose. You may lose it all. They might even take it from you. But what God has given you, you ain't going to lose for all of eternity. Eternal life. No wonder they don't want to hear that message. They're not gonna, they may take our nativity. They're not going to take this hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It's becoming offensive. Well, we're going to be more offensive in the days to come in 2023. Now, we're not going to do it on purpose. We're just going to be offensive. But Jesus was a rock of offense, a stone of stumbling. If the church is not causing people to be offended, they're compromising in their message. And we have to tell the truth. They nailed him to the cross. If they flatter you with flowers and gifts, you're probably not saying anything that matters. And then this story is the greatest love story of all time. When this came to my mind, I thought, well, I'm going to look up some famous love stories. So I found there was Cleopatra and Mark Antony. I found one. I couldn't pronounce their name. But the man said about this one he loved that her face launched a thousand ships. I had to think, 
that is bragging on her? Her face launched a thousand ships. I could think of all those ships trying to get away. What a great compliment that was. In that day, it must have meant something else. Anyway, Romeo and Juliet. Bonnie and Clyde. No, no, Bonnie and Clyde, they were gangsters. They might have been in love too, I don't know. Richard and Kimberly. Now that's one of the greatest love stories of all time. And we see their testimony of the love they have. How many of you feel like your marriage is the one great love story? Well, there's a few hands. Hey, you guys, you better raise your hand. I don't want to hear any of this thing. Hey, this, my wife would launch a thousand ships. Or, no, no, anyway. Anyway, I, we, we talk about this all the time. This is a great love story. I saw today, they sent, you know, they send you these pictures from the past. And anyway, it was just, man, it's good to see the past. But anyway, the greatest love story in all of history, Jerry mentioned it, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is, there's no greater love than this when one would lay down his life. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we could be called the sons of God the children of the living God. This is a great love story. There'll never be any love story that matches that one. And then the gospel or the the Christmas story is the story that has a happy ending. It didn't look like it for a time. Think about what happened. Just read Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53. His appearance was marred more than any man. In Isaiah 53, when we see him, when we saw him, there was no beauty nothing that caused us to desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow. He was stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. He was wounded, pierced through for our iniquities. He was crushed for our sins. He took the punishment so you and I wouldn't have to live in eternal punishment, that we would know peace with God. The Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed He was afflicted. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was cut off from the land of the living, all for you and me. And this story didn't just end with that. It ended with a glorious resurrection. And it's going to end in the ultimate victory. Because every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. I want to pronounce it from this pulpit. From the White House to the courthouses, to the schoolhouse, to the church houses, to your house, to my house, to our neighbor's house, to CNN's house, all of their houses. We're all, there's going to be a day. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is king. That baby, that baby became a king. He came as a king. He laid it all down because he saw the joy that was set before him. This story leads in ultimate victory, and it's going to be ultimate victory for you and me. If we know him in his death, we we shall know him in his resurrection. That's what these last couple, you know, we went over the fellowship of his sufferings because we're going to be those that know him and the power of his resurrection. And that comes as part of the story. And then the story is the most influential man that ever lived on the planet. 
and we know. I just saw again, I wanted to be sure it was correct. The Bible is still the most bought, the most sold. They've sold more copies of the Bible than any book ever in the history of humanity. By far, by billions of copies. The second book is three billion under or something. Four billion, I don't know. But anyway, and that book is about the Redeemer, the Savior, the Master, man, the one who was and is and is to come, the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega. He's, he is God in the flesh. It's all about Jesus. Man, that's why we want to do a lot of worship in 2023. This is about Jesus, the King of glory. And if, if he's coming, however he comes, in judgments, in revival, however, it doesn't matter. Even so come, we want to lay ground. We want to be the ones celebrating and welcoming him, rejoicing and pointing to the world that he is the one. He's the one we're going to, man, I just want to celebrate Jesus. I have a funny feeling this thing began with Jesus. It's going to end with him. You know what I mean? It began in a feeding trough. And some of the things God does like that, he does in little remote, out-of-the-way places. But then God gets a lot of glory for what he does. And then it's a story where there's an objective that's written from the very beginning. Look in verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. And notice he didn't say he would save his people from being talked about, rejected, ridiculed, tyranny, injustice, all these things, slander, persecution. He didn't even say, but he did say in other places, famine. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, begging for bread. He'll keep them alive in famine. We have all kinds of promises. He surely didn't say he would keep them from persecution, corrupt leaders, war. The Lord said there would be wars and rumors of wars. But what he did say he would save his people from is their sins. The reason we have all this mess going on in the world, it's not because we have a wicked leader or leaders. It's because of the, the, the wickedness of the human heart. The heart is deceitful and wicked. And the only answer to the heart is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's sin that has set this nation on its current course. And it's only repentance that can reverse it. And he made a way. He sent his son. He said in Hosea, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I'll reach up and pull them out of the pit of destruction. I'll redeem them from death. And the only answer is the redemption. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. We got to shout, man, I can't wait. I got, I feel like one of the, somewhere along January, February, man, got to go back preaching an old-fashioned message on the blood of Jesus. I want, I've been waiting for that. Some, some of those guys took the blood out of their hymnal. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's about the blood of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood. Anyway, the story of Christmas is summed up in God, Emmanuel, God with us. Do you think, now do you think, okay, I know darkness is going to cover the earth, deep darkness, the people. 
I have a feeling things are going to get a little bit more intense. Some of you know that. 2023, where do you think we've been, the Lord, birth pains, birth pains increase. Anyway, you know what else is going to increase? His presence, the light. And his, now, if there's light, then who is the light? Jesus, his presence. God, Emmanuel, God with us. If God is with you, if God is for you, if God is in you, if God is, if God, is God, then who are they that be against you? I'm telling you, he's with you, he's going to be with And then it's a story that you can be personally a part of. You can be a part of the story. How's that? Because it's by coming to know the one who gave his life, who really did come as a baby, who really did grow up, who really did face every temptation just like you and me, but who really did never sin. Then he offered up his perfection for our imperfection. The just died for the unjust. He was righteous. You and I are unrighteous. And when we come to him, there's a great exchange that takes place. He took our unrighteousness to the cross, shed his blood so that you and I can be forgiven. This story is incredible. This thing happened. He really did become a boy. He became a baby. He He really did. This is real. And it's the only hope left. But it is a sure hope. It's a sure hope. And man, if there's anything I want God to do. Okay, God... Um, we, we'll see some of you if you can make it on Christmas Eve. Others, you got stuff going on with family. But anyway, I want, Lord, if I could just release something in you, it'd be like the hope for the times. I have a feeling there's going to be a measure of hope. Now, I know we have hope. But just like grace, grace for this age, I know there's a grace for living in these times. There's got to be more hope. Got to be. I'm going to pray. Can I just ask God to do that? Dump hope that to a degree that you almost can't stand it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Wait a minute, God. I've heard of people encountering the Lord where they had to say, Oh, God, stay your hand from me lest I die from all the joy. Who was that? Um, Moody. Was it D.L. Moody? I don't know, a bunch of those guys. Well, we're the guys and gals today. So just stand, okay? So, Lord, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the reason for this season. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder that this is real. This Christmas story is not just a fairy tale. It's not something made up. In a world of fake, it is the most real because of it is the beginning of the greatest story ever been told of God's love for men and women. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for people in this room. I pray for those that are watching. Lord, I'm making a request. You said make your request made known unto God with thanksgiving. So I'm thankful that you're going to hear and you are hearing my prayer. I'm asking you, God, for a measure of hope, for a download of hope, a download of joy, a download of life, a download of peace to be dumped in the saints of the Most High God. Lord, I pray it'll be to the degree that we'll almost say, we won't, but it'll almost like those 
those guys when they said, Lord, stay your hand lest I die from all the joy. Lord, I pray it'll be so overwhelming that we'll walk in hope regardless. All the bad news, the good news will triumph inside of us. It'll swallow up the bad news because of the greatness of our God, the goodness of our God that we sing about. And I had a feeling everybody in this room believed what we were singing. It was not just a word on a screen. This was who we know to be our God. This was God. And I just pray that, Lord. And I pray, Father, for the people out there that never met Jesus. Maybe they just drove by a nativity before some Scrooge took it away, said, you can't do that. Well, we can do that. We can declare that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. He's the answer. And he came to die for sin. And I pray, Lord, this will be a season of great harvest, that multitudes of people will come to the Savior from the west to the north, the south, the east, God. Lord, I pray for the Spirit of the Lord to be poured out across this land. And the nations, Lord, let the praises of God erupt. Let a preemptive strike of your glory come to this nation. Now, I want to pray right now, those of you that are watching online, if you're in this place, you've never met Jesus as your Savior, or maybe you're just not certain that you would spend eternity in heaven if this was your last day on the earth. We just want to lead you in a prayer. But you got to mean it in your heart. No one can come to him when they want to. He draws them. There's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that convicting power is going to be stronger and stronger like we've never known it before. So I just pray, say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of the living God. I believe he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. I confess my need of a Savior. And I ask for mercy and forgiveness. I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. And I place my trust in his shed blood. And in his resurrection. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in my heart that God has raised his son from the dead. I turn from sin and I turn my life over to you. And I make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. And use me for your glory. Let me be an instrument of revival of an awakening. Let the glory of the Lord be made known through me. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we're going to pray for people around the altar. We always do. And God has been touching people around the altar powerfully. Thank you, Lord.